Hello, I'm Philip Brain. And I'm Harry Clennon. And you're listening to Reflections by Spectacles. Today we're going to be talking about an insight that Harry wrote, the post-liberal roller coaster, about the meeting of the National Conservative Movement in Orlando, Florida, basically breaking down what this movement is uh, and why it's a danger to democracy. So I guess before we get started, just wanted to acknowledge some of our fans out there. Wesley Yang on Twitter, big, big huge friend of the pod. Yeah, big Substack writer. We had a friendly exchange on Twitter. He called us witless and worthless. He called me witless and worthless. Called that Harry is you're witless stealing and my worthless. valor. And Harry, Stolen Harry valor. in turn assured Mr. Yang that when when Harry was the under commissar to the deputy secretary for the regulation of speech in the communist Kamala Harris regime, that Mr. Yang. Was would be treated well i'm nothing if not merciful (laughs) (laughs) so you know follow us on twitter if you're not yet at spectacles media we got some we got some good stuff going on over there it's fun right anyways twitter plug over harry let's talk about this article hidden fascists oh yeah wesley yank by the way didn't preface that not like a not a good guy so Uh, he's whatever it's fine he's a friend he's a friend don't insult friends of the pod. He's, he's, yeah. Okay. Well, anyway. All right. I wrote this article. <laughs> I'm taking control of the conversation. I wrote this article. <laughs> I'll also be keeping half an eye on Virginia election results during the, this whole reflection. So d- d- don't, d- that's terrible. Don't right. say that. <laughs> Log off, Harry. Okay. So I wrote this piece um, based on, I have casual student of the conservative movement being not myself a conservative, but I find it kind of interesting. And so I've sort of been following the strands of different conservative thought since, I don't know, for a couple of years. And so I was interested when I saw this, you know, this this conference was coming up and basically- We couldn't get a press pass. We could not get a press pass. That, uh, yeah. Harry really wanted to go to Disney World I wanted and also to, yeah, I wanted make to a stopover to see Josh Hawley speak. Yeah. So there's been this emergence of a movement, I think sort of in tandem partially in response to Donald Trump, partially just, I think, kind of in tandem with him, that has decided that what we would call uh, conservative fusionism, which is sort of the combination of social conservatism and free market ideology or uh, neoliberal economics, is no longer sufficient for defending the American tradition. So this is a combination, right, of, you know, social conservatism, but not, you know, not necessarily fire-breathing social conservative or combative social conservatism. I actually I don't think that they've changed their views on um, a lot of issues that much, but it's not as combative. And they've also started to become more skeptical of global trade in particular, and they also sort of say things like, oh, we care about the workers, blah, 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 or the working class party, which I think is a, a load of something. Anyway, they this group of conservatives have started to fear about around the time of Donald Trump being elected, started to feel like conservative fusionism was was not enough and there needed to be a sort of more robust conservatism that centered the enforcement of a moral code, usually a religious moral code, by the state. Weirdly enough, they kind of believed that Donald Trump would be the person who would sort of implement that. I don't get how that's weird. Well, it's weird because kind he's... Kind of the paragon of virtue. Yeah, he is. That's true. He's a big family man. He has had... He's had, what, five children? So that that's one in the bank for them, right? I mean, go. they want to pay people to have children. So anyway... Masculine virtue, right Masculine there. virtue right there. But what this amounts to, and it sounds kind of nice. It's like, oh, we care about like a moral code for society and maybe we like want pro-family policy. But 
you know, the problem is it sort of runs into like irreconcilable tensions with the form of government that says you can believe what you want to believe. You have, you know, the right to pursue your own lifestyle as you choose. And you can't really do an inquisition in a liberal democracy. That's right. You can't do an inquisition uh, in a liberal they, democracy. They don't, they don't really work together, it turns out. Yeah, right. So this has been, I think, a sort of growing movement. You can look to places like the Claremont Institute is sort of one of the... Think tank at a college in California. It's not actually at the college. It's... it's oh. a, it was... Harry Jaff, I think, was... A, I can't get into this now. It's not a think tank. It's, 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 it is a think tank, but it's not associated with It's a with think Claremont. tank that is not associated with the college by the same name, though it is in the same place. Right. Right. Um, or nearby or something like that. Anyway, so... You have this sort of growth of, of this conservative movement, you know, in different locations throughout the country. Uh, and there's this belief that they need to embrace more firm nationalism, right? So a rejection of globalism, which I guess types like Romney or McCain were supposedly proponents of, and more explicit role for religion in the state. And so they've been sort of, which goes so far as with some of them believing that, you know, which we should have essentially a Catholic theocracy. Yeah, I mean, to, to a greater or lesser extent, there's this belief that certain moral questions, which are on the table in our current political formula, should be removed from politics, right? Should not right. necessarily be subject to democratic control. Uh, there's a slight, there's a bit of a sleight of hand that they tend to do, which is that everyone actually wants these things. So it is fundamentally democratic, but it's not something, but you also shouldn't have the right to not believe it or the right to not practice it in public, I suppose. So uh, there's been this development and they have had meetings. Which, they've, what? Well, well, I mean, I think that's an, that's important because by saying that this is something that is an intrinsic truth of humanity and that also at the same time some people don't believe it really does effectively pave the way for those who don't believe it are in some way subhuman or corrupt right. sort of people that are potentially not entitled to the same rights as a as a sort of virtuous or correct human being right you know right so it's a it's a dangerous combination it seems kind of nonsensical and ridiculous that you could say oh well it's inherent but also some people don't believe it so people need to be made to believe it but at the end of the day that's that's a really dangerous line of thought as incoherent as it is right exactly and so this movement, I guess, has, has sort of been growing over the in intellectual circles over the past four or five years, uh, maybe six years. And they've had this is the second conference that they've had of national conservatism. And they call it national conservatism. I don't know how many of them actually call themselves like national conservatives or nationalist conservatives, but it's sort of an umbrella term that can take in the Catholic wannabe theocrats, people like Josh Hawley, who I don't think, I mean, says we need faith in public life, blah, 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 but I don't think he's as much of like a... a he went a, to a fine Catholic high school. Yeah, so. Philip and Josh Hawley went to the same high school. So, <laughs> um, <clears throat> I've seen his yearbook photo and he does look about as dumb as you would expect. Yeah. So where am I? I anyway, they've, they're, this is the second meeting that they've had and they're sort of trying to, I mean, they have these internecine disputes, which I have sort of touch on in the piece. But fundamentally, what's going on here is this belief that the state should be enforcing the morality of individuals and, and that the free market is, in some respects, questionable. 
it's interesting because I think in some ways it, it logically makes some sense because the old fusionist perspective, I think, was in some ways a little bit self-contradictory, right? That you would have small government and free markets, which would allow people to pursue whatever life they wanted to do while also maintaining opposition to gay marriage, for example. I and mean, in some ways, the libertarians... And, you know, social conservatives who have become these sort of post-liberal types may ha might have somewhat more coherent ideologies, although I don't actually think that's the case when you look at it um, closely. But anyway, they've sort of rejected this old conservative consensus. They're sitting around, they're sort of trying to hash out what their ideas are going to be. And what I'm pointing to in the piece is that as much as they're, they think that they're hashing out these ideas and having an, an impact on politics, and as much attention they they get in you know mainstream news media um i think what's actually going on is that the more mainstream trumpist conservatism if you can call it that which is i think actually fundamentally um different than what they're interested in is much more successful and i guess i should expound on that a little bit i i think that they have this very, I want to say, a very thick theory of human nature, the role of the state in morality, and, you know, the, the, their idea of what human flourishing is and what the common good is. And they don't always agree on those things, but these are academics and, generally speaking, politicians like Josh Hawley who flatter themselves as being kind of scholars, whereas the more Trumpist types are just like, oh, political, political correctness is bad, critical race theory is bad, we all need to just love America and be patriots, which is, I think, somewhat different and also a lot more popular than what they're expounding. Right. And I think that this is, this is important because this gets to this apparent contradiction of why would they latch on to someone like Donald Trump who is so repugnant to so many of the things they claim to believe. Right. And I, this is just sort of my theory. I, I doubt it's very controversial, but Donald Trump was not just a symbol of a certain sort of strain of political thought or policy, but he was symbolic of a Republican Party that was now clearly willing to abandon democratic pretenses and potentially a symbol of, in the future, abandon democratic processes. Right. Right. And for people like this, these national conservatives who believe that we need to have, though they don't say it, an authoritarian government that is dictating morality, you've got to have the authoritarian part first. Right. And I think they have all these debates about what is like the right sort of authoritarian government. And not a lot of that gets presented to voters. A lot of what gets presented to voters is critical race theory is bad, that this thing is bad, because what they need first is the power. And if they can get the power, then I think that, you know, back to them flattering themselves, I think people like Josh Hawley and others think that their sort of wing of the party would have a shot at navigating to control of the party, you know, in like leadership and determination right. of policies that right. are in place. And so for them, it's very important because they think authoritarian control isn't that far out. So we need to be hashing out these discussions of what is it going to look like? Right. And, you know, maybe I sound like kind of a wild conspiracy theorist there, but I, I legitimately think that's what's going on. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not actually sure how much... I mean, I think maybe if Josh Hawley acquired political power, he could see himself as like some kind of uh, statesman who would, you know, 
fairly radically reform American institutions to be more in line with conservative common good or however, you know, his particular brand of conservatism envisions it. But I I have tr- it's I don't I don't I don't have a great articulation of what it is that they do want because I'm not sure, but I think that in some ways they would be I don't want to say that it's that they don't that someone like Josh Hawley doesn't actually believe what he's saying because I I think he does, but I think that they would be somewhat timid about actually trying to put that into place because I don't know if they have like the actual like wherewithal to like drive something like that through. I'm not sure that they actually that they quite have the gumption to do that. Maybe they do. I mean, I think that there is a plausible scenario in which we are headed towards a quasi hybrid electoral authoritarian regime under a Republican party that has abandoned all pretenses of democracy, but is possessed of such extraordinary institutional advantages that it doesn't necessarily need to win popular elections anymore. And I've laid that out in other articles for spectacles, but I don't, I I have trouble. I mean, all the policies that they're talking about, they they don't, they rarely seem to have to lay out like a detailed, like sense of like, here's what we would want to do for the American worker. Here's, here's like how we would, you know, diminish the the separation between church and state they don't it's not i mean i guess they just would make things like they would make abortion illegal which they have done so maybe they i mean maybe in power this is what they would do but i would i think like an interesting model to look at which they all they a lot of these nationalist conservatives or post liberals they look to hungary right as their like example of what they would like to do and Viktor Orban has made life a lot more difficult for marginalized groups in Hungary. And he has passed like some pro-family policies, but it's not like there's mostly it's just like sort of this kleptocratic, corrupt, clientelist state. And there's not like a, it's not like it's overwhelmingly like a society organized to like the highest good of human flourishing or whatever it, right, like course. that. You know, I mean, it's not like there's this complete vision that I could see them possibly. Oh, I don't mean to suggest that like. These guys are masterminds plotting out every step along the way. Right. But I'm trying to say that, like, the morality, the personal morality and characteristics of Donald Trump are essentially irrelevant. Because I think what these people care about, step one, is the acquisition of power not subject to the will of majorities. Yeah. Because they believe that the role of the government should be dictating morality to the majority. Right? right, and so they have to get power insulated from the people, so that yes. they can be. In Josh Hawley's own description, he he was talking about Roman patricians, the right. patrician ruling class of Rome, and how that was such a good thing, and how it was derived from the Latin word for father. And you know, that wasn't how, Josh Hawley; that was Patrick Deneen. Sorry, I was listening to it as yeah. Harry was Patrick Deneen saying how you know the patricians were so great, like fatherly figures guiding society, and right. it's too bad we don't have that anymore, like. So that's that's all I'm trying to get at. Not yeah. that they're like, you know, plotting out every step along the right. way. I think but, that's a good point. But they sort of reconciling this confusion yeah. is is justified by yeah. a, a need for authoritarian power, regardless of who can get right. it. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think where I where I where I feel like it's not gonna come in part because I actually don't think like Josh Hawley commands the kind of support even within a Republican Party that, you know, only has to duke it's debates out within itself and not compete for power with Democrats and uh, under such a hypothetical situation. I don't think the Josh Hawley's win out. I think the Donald Trump's win out, right? I think that, and that will make life a lot worse for people who are not um, white men, but 
it's I don't know if there's like a coherent ideology behind it, which is not to say that it won't be bad. I mean, I think that what we're looking at an existential threat right here, but I do think it's sort of interesting that there is this sort of group, but one, it's riven with internal contradictions, not just because they don't all agree on what the highest good is, which is funny, of course, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> you need to have, they've established this national conservatism movement as a sort of neutral platform for hashing out their disagreements. And, you know, if you wanted to expand that on a larger scale, you would have, I don't know, something that looks a little bit like liberal democracy. Um, <laughs> but but also that there are these sort of internal contradictions in their thought that it's not, it's not clear to me. I don't think that like... Well, you got to do a lot of mental gymnastics to get from freedom is good and we want to rejuvenate American freedom to actually freedom is bad. You have to have this kind of freedom that's dictated by the government. Also, did we mention we want a huge government, not a small one? Like, the, 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 it's of course there are going to be contradictions because there are an enormous amount of mental gymnastics involved in this whole thing. Right, right. And it's also funny because, you know, I, I would imagine most of them are like considered like, Joe Biden's like pretty mealy-mouthed executive order for get a vaccine as a like, you know, radical tyranny over our lives, you know? I mean, if you think about like what is the common good? The common good is everyone like you know, not getting a life-threatening virus, but you know, here they are. Right. So I mean, it's like I think that there's you know, they it's not quite what they say it is. And right. this like highbrow sort of religious conservatism, I think one is not super popular i mean i think there are like evangelicals and people who are like we need to you know which this country is a is a christian country blah 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 but you know they sort of have like these like theological ideas about the relationship between god man and the state and i don't think like your average republican voter is thinking through those things and i don't think it's going to sell very well so i think yeah i think the the only caveat that i would put out there that i would disagree with is that I don't know that they necessarily need to sell the whole thing. Right, that's true. That's they true. sell the speeches that Josh Hawley makes about how masculinity is eroding and men are being destroyed. Right, you sell these speeches that tell a very emotionally compelling story and lurking behind them are these assumptions about how government ought to work and how government ought to interface with society. And when you get the power, you do those things because you genuinely believe in them. Right. But in the meantime, you, you know, just are a good speaker and pretty conventionally attractive guy and a pretty good political navigator and you get your way to power and then you do the things that you really believe in that you were selling behind those words the whole time. And I, I don't know. Again, I don't want to sound too paranoid, but that's the path that the that democratic breakdown takes. Yeah. It, yeah. It, I mean, I tend to think that Hawley doesn't have what it takes to win a presidential election. I mean, I think he would get slaughtered by Trump in a primary. I think someone like Ron DeSantis, who is not one of these people. And I guess that's the interesting thing, right? Is like, I, I guess what I was saying before is I think that if these like post liberals ever actually took power, I'm not sure that it would be that fundamentally distinct from like a Ron DeSantis presidency or a Donald Trump presidency. I don't actually think it would be like that different. It, it has the potential to be authoritarian and that's very right. scary. I don't think it would be that different i don't think it would ever be that lofty or that like well thought yeah. out or academic yeah. i think it would i think it would be hard to distinguish if you were to you know say in 2028 josh hawley or ron DeSantis is the president and then you 
give me a blind list of both policies that both of them would, you know, try to pursue as president. I don't think that there would yeah. be that much difference between them. I don't yeah. think that there would be. So it's nonetheless it's nonetheless scary. And I think that this intellectual movement has provided a lot of support within the academic community for a Donald Trump because they want to read into him their right. theories of, of, you know, the common good and all that stuff, which I think are somewhat very, not somewhat, I think they're kind of deluded in thinking that he's those things. But I think that that in itself can be kind of dangerous as you get this like small group of people or smallish section of the Republican Party and it's more elite circles, more academic circles. And I think that when you get to that point, they can still be powerful. They can still shift, shift, shift patterns. I don't think a Josh Hawley is really that likely to be president. I don't think he's like super charismatic. He's well-spoken. Yeah. And he's attractive, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I guess the final word is that Harry thinks Josh Hawley's attractive. And on that note, <laughs> we'll leave you and we'll see you again on Friday for the next insight. And we might have a reflection as well, but anyways, stay tuned. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and share this episode with your friends or on social media. If you'd like to listen to each new article of Focus and Insight read aloud, follow the link in the notes for Spectacles Out Loud. If you'd like to make a comment on the episode that you just heard, there's a link to our website, also in the notes, where you can also subscribe to our newsletter, if you haven't already, to receive a new way of seeing politics in your inbox five days a week. And find us on Twitter, at Spectacles Media. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks.